Hey everyone, we got a special episode this week. We had a chance a while back to speak to the Jews at Microsoft group, and we were able to tell our story of how the podcast was founded, talk about some of our favorite movies, some common themes that came up, and do a little Q&A at the end. So enjoy this special episode, and we'll be back with another regular episode in two weeks. Thanks for coming today to our uh, discussion called Exploring Jewish Identity Through Film, a discussion on creating artistic Jewish multimedia content. Fun fact, ChatGPT kind of helped out with that title. So shout out to AI right up top. My name is Daniel Zana. I'm a video editor producer with a background in documentary, music videos, and reality TV. I'm originally from California. I spent about 11 years in uh, New York, and now I'm in Seattle. With me, as always, is my amazing co-host, Harry. Hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, having us on here. I, uh, as Daniel just mentioned, I'm the co-host. I am uh, Harry Avensasser. I am um, originally from New York or New Jersey, New York. Uh, I moved out to Seattle for about a year. That's kind of where I crossed paths with Daniel. I'll tell that story soon. Um, uh, and I am currently working as a business analyst. I do have a background. I, I was a film studies major, kind of got my uh, interest peaked in film. But, uh, but yeah, but that's just kind of the, uh, the context for me being a part of this podcast. So I tease this, but I will tell the story of kind of how this podcast came together. So uh, as I just mentioned, I was out uh, in Seattle for about a year. I was out on job out there and uh, I was introduced to Seattle uh, to Daniel very early on. We attended the same uh, shul community, so we kind of got to know each other there. But uh, the first time we were introduced to each other, it was uh, probably only a couple weeks after I had moved in. You know, I kind of made it my brand a little bit that I was, you know, had this film background. I was excited to talk about film with anyone who would listen. And, you know, that brought Daniel to me. And he almost immediately after introducing himself kind of pitched me on this podcast to join his Jewish life with his film life. You know, he, I, I was the perfect partner. I would come together. And uh, if I'm being completely honest, I, I'll have to admit that I was kind of nodding along with the, uh, you know, I didn't want to be rude. This was the, my first, I was leaving my first impression on a new friend, but didn't actually think that I was going to become a podcaster, didn't think that, you know, either of us would follow up on this and it would just be kind of a fun first conversation and we would just move on with our lives. But uh, but Daniel was pretty committed to it. I later learned that he had a bit of a background with podcasts, with editing and, and all the sort that he'll get into. But um, but he followed up with me a couple nights later. We did our first recording together. We, we chose the movie Uncut Gems that we both liked. We decided to just hit record over Zoom go back and forth for about an hour. And that episode is actually published to our feed. It's not the very first, but it's one of the first couple that we posted. And uh, if you wanna go back and listen to that early conversation, but uh, I will warn you, I think we've gotten a lot better since that first one and kind of figured out the tone of the pod since then. But that was kind of just how it started, just cause we, uh, we wanted to put it together and pulled it off. I did not know that, good to know. Yeah, shout out to Americas Seattle, a modern Orthodox synagogue. I always felt like, you know, with my background, I'd done a lot of projects in the creative side and I've done some Jewish stuff, but like I'd always feel that they were very different things. Like, you know, I'd be working on a reality show and I need to export a cut for the network executives, but it's like Friday afternoon and I'm looking at the clock and it's somewhat like the jazz singer where I'm trying to compare like, you know, playing piano to doing like Yom Kippur services and things like that. So I always felt that they were very disparate things, but I do feel like now with the podcast, it's kind of melding the two worlds into one, and it's uh, it's been really great so far, yeah. So what exactly is Jews on Film? Um, for those not familiar, it's a uh, it's a podcast that we do where we discuss something, you know, we discuss a movie with a guest, 
they release every two weeks now. And each episode is uh, based on a different film. We have a guest and we often try to pair the guest with the movie. So, for instance, in this particular slide, we have Josh Weiss, who's an author and uh, he's, he has a book out. That's about a 1950s uh, detective, film noir style uh, detective that has communists and Hollywood and intrigue and espionage and all that good stuff. So we thought like Hail Caesar would be a good, that's a Coen Brothers film. We thought that'd be like a good pairing. And it's, so it's, we kind of go back and forth and we find like a good match with the guests and we usually come to some agreement. Sometimes we'll suggest movies, sometimes they'll suggest movies. So we have a discussion, we discuss the plot and then we, at the end of the film, we will rate the the uh, episode, the film on a scale of one to five Jewish stars based on cast and crew, the content, and the underlying themes. Um, we are in a virtual world these days. You know, Harry's in New York and I'm in Seattle, so we record on Zoom. And uh, we've got at 40 episodes out now, and uh, about three in post production. So, and you can get our podcast wherever uh, you get podcasts now. We just introduced this idea that we rate these films, we talk about their Jewishness, but I'm, I'm sure you're wondering, or some of you are wondering, you know, what, what does that mean? What, what does it look like for a film to be Jewish? You know, how do you grade that? And the, uh, the short answer is that's kind of what we're trying to figure out in every episode. We go back and forth and I think come up with some new ideas for, you know, why a particular movie we just watched was more Jewish uh, than another one. But I wanted to help out just by offering three different examples of the kinds of Jewishness that we might uh, pulled from some of these movies. So if you're familiar with any of these uh, films, th this might make some more sense to you, but otherwise, uh, you know, you could take our word for it. But um, the first one that we listed here is called A Serious Man. That's, that's another Coen Brothers movie. And, you know, that one I, we, we wrote is sort of explicit Jewish content. That's a movie that, you know, that, that embedded into the story itself is a very Jewish character. It's part of the plot. There are instances where he's at, uh, he goes to synagogue with his family and his child is learning how to read from the Torah. And there's there's such clear, explicit Jewish content there. I would call that almost undeniably uh, a Jewish film. The second example that we threw in here is uh, for movies that might not explicitly deal with Jewish content, with Jewish subject, but have this sort of Jewish, you know, I, we said uh, humor and sensibility to them. So we pulled in a Mel Brooks film. This is Young Frankenstein, although I would say this qualifier can be added on to almost any uh, Mel yeah. Brooks film because they all I'd kind agree. of share that. Yeah, because they all share that kind of Jewish tone and sensibility to them. But that's a movie that you can feel the Jewishness of the characters. You can feel Jewishness in the way that they talk and the way that they interact in the world. Oftentimes we'll try to point out if we feel like, you know, you can tell that the filmmaker was Jewish just by watching their movie. And I think that's, uh, certainly the case with Young Frankenstein. And then the final category that we just brought in here uh, as an example was, uh, for, we, we tied it to the movie A Clockwork Orange, which we also discussed on the podcast. And that's a movie that doesn't have any explicit Jewish content you can really point to, and honestly doesn't have so much of this Jewish sensibility, this Jewishness uh, to it. But we were able to have what I thought was a really exciting conversation about it, because we spoke about a lot of the themes the movie explores and tied those back to some themes that you know, we've recognized in our own Jewish, in our own Jewishness and our own Jewish lives. So in that movie in particular, there's a lot of questions of free will and decisions and responsibility and the morality of, uh, of stripping someone of their free will. And there were plenty of analogs we were able to draw to that movie. So we were able to make the case for that being a thematic Jewish movie. Yeah, that was an interesting one because we reached out to a film professor in Wales. Part of his thesis with a lot of Kubrick films is finding the Jewishness in all of it, similar um, to our podcast. But he he has written a lot of books about Kubrick's films, and he made a very compelling case for a lot of the symbolism in the in the Clockwork Orange. So definitely worth checking that episode out.
as far as who we've who we've had on the uh, podcast, we've had a, a number of guests. We usually try. We started a few episodes at the beginning of our podcast with just me and Harry. But as we've gone on, we found that having a guest on kind of helps with the discussion and the dynamic. So we've had folks from the podcasting world, uh, novelists, writers, critics, producers, actors, things like that. And it's not, it's kind of all come through various ways. A lot of it is through social media. So we'll reach out on like film Twitter or Jewish film Twitter, um, on Instagram, through DMs and things like that. And sometimes, you know, like Nabil Ayers is an author of a book and I got his book at the library at, in the Seattle public library system. I read his book and I was like, oh, this is an amazing story. I would love to discuss your story on our podcast. I cold emailed him and he reached back out. Uh, another example like J.D. Lifshitz, I think, is a friend of a friend of Harry's from childhood. So we emailed them and things like that. Um, you know, Noah Segan, the actor from Knives Out and Glass Onion, things like that. We had on a guest who was a friend of a friend again. And it's just one of those things that just kind of works out. All of the guests have come through a different, a lot of different ways, but most people are very open to talking about their favorite movie and kind of discussing it in a new way. So it's been really fun to just explore old movies, new movies, and people's favorite movies with them. So over the course of, at this point, 40 plus episodes and hopefully and counting, we've we've come to recognize a number of recurring themes and ideas and just things that we found bridge together a lot of these Jewish films that we've explored that we wanted to share with you here, maybe if anyone wants to reach out with throw in some questions in the chat or something, just hear everyone else's thoughts on it and maybe what else you picked up on. But we wanted to highlight some of the stuff that we found ourselves talking about over the course of a, a couple of different movies. So one of the things that we've really seen across a number of these different movies is this, this idea of otherness and exploring the immigrant experience and the way that that's kind of mapped into a number of the different Jewish films we've spoken about. And, you know, of course, this is you know, a lot of these filmmakers and a lot of these films that are born out of, you know, the 20th century Jewish immigrant experience, a lot of Jews, as we know, were immigrating from different, uh, from different countries, they were coming over from Europe and other places, and they really were, they did, they did have this immigrant experience, you know, in America, in the American film system, where they were, they had to learn how to integrate with their opposing faith, with different languages, and a lot of these movies that we've highlighted here really explore that. You know, I mentioned that languages, and one of the movies that I wanted to point to is this Duck Soup on the Top Left, which was, you know, a, a comedy that was helmed by the Marx Brothers, a famous Jewish comedic duo. And that's a movie that, although they don't talk about their Jewishness explicitly in context, it's a movie about an outsider coming into a new society and kind of tripping up everyone around them with their language, with their old traditions, with their customs. And this was something that we saw, you know, all the way back then, but even through, you know, modern Jewish tellings, there, there always is that kind of uh, outsider, or often is that outsider experience that these films are exploring. It's, it's interesting just uh, for a little bit of historical context around the founding of like the Hollywood studio system. A lot of the people who started the major studios that we know today were all Jewish immigrants, but early on in order to sort of fit in and not be an outsider, not be an other, they sought out to tell all these very American stories. It's only until much later, you know, we're talking the 60s, 70s and 80s, where there's explicit sort of Jewish stories being told to the mainstream for mainstream adoption. And so, yeah, whether, you know, all these are good examples, but there's tons of examples throughout our, our, our podcast uh, that come up for sure. I did see a question from friend of the pod and past guest of the pod, Eitan Basri. Hi, Eitan. Uh, have you covered any Israeli films? So we did just cover um, 
uh, movie called Image of Victory, which was about the uh, war of kibbutz Nitzanim um, in the 19, the late 1940s uh, with Dinah Leffert. So check that episode out. That is our uh, only Hebrew language film to date, but we are open to doing more for sure. Another theme or, or uh, something that's come up quite a bit with our podcast is, is this notion of intergenerational trauma and or the Holocaust, because it is something, um, you know, that a lot of Jews had had experienced. You know, for instance, in the film The Vigil, which is a horror film from 2019, um, our protagonist is watching over a dead body and is then haunted by the ghost or the, a demon who was like a Holocaust survivor. Um so that that plays, you know, into horror genres. We have a, a drama like The Survivor, which is like the true story of someone who was forced to fight other Jews in concentration camps for the enjoyment of the the Nazi guards and things like that. So it's something that comes up quite a bit. And, you know, there's other examples like Young Frankenstein, where it's not uh, as explicit and it's more sort of implied, but it does it does come up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll add that, of course, there is the Holocaust connection, which, you know, is uh, it's impossible to kind of untie that from the experience of a lot of these, you know, a lot of Jews and a lot of these filmmakers. But I did want to point out, I think this idea of intergenerational trauma and just kind of shared, you know, history and connection to the past is something that is not only born of the Holocaust, but is also just, you know, fundamental to, I guess, you know, Jewishness, Judaism as, as a faith of tradition, of continuity, of connection to the past. I mean, that is something that you know, is particular to any people that are joined together in this continued tradition. So it's interesting, even the movies that aren't explicitly about the Holocaust, which I would argue, you know, Young Frankenstein is not. It's interesting right. to see the way a lot of these filmmakers are grappling with their connection to the past, the connection to their, you know, to their parents, grandparents, and kind of how they can fit in within that, you know, rigid kind of uh, culture of tradition that, uh, that we find ourselves in. So in addition to like the sort of broader themes, there's sort of depictions of Jewishness on film. And we're going to talk here about a couple ideas that um, come up when we're seeing sort of um, how Jewish people are depicted on film. Uh, so this idea is uh, this idea of Jewish coding, right? So oftentimes we'll have characters like in Clueless, we'll have Cher Horowitz and we'll have in um, – in broadcast news, Aaron Altman is his name. Uh, so these are these are ideas of of characters who are named Jewishly, but aside from that, it's mostly implied. You know, you have other examples uh, like in the Long Goodbye, we'll have Elliot Gould playing Philip Marlowe, who we have historically seen, you know, being played by someone like Humphrey Bogart. But you know, you add in the curly hair and the sort of snarky, sort of quippy uh, retorts to gangsters and things like that, and you sort of assume this Jewishness. And so, rather than um, you know outright say that they're Jewish, we kind of imply it and we sort of code them as Jewish so that the viewer will understand that. Yeah, and and one thing that you know we've encountered this a number of times. There have been movies pitched to us, you know, broadcast news and clueless come to mind where people have suggested these movies as being particularly Jewish. And when it comes to watching it. You know, it's hard to kind of find the, you know, the explicit Jewish content or the way that they're, you know, talking about their Jewishness or the sensibility. And we've, we've traced it down to this idea of Jewish coding, because even though, you know, Cher Horowitz never talks about, discusses her faith, is never practicing, you know, any kind of cultural, traditional uh, form of Judaism, there's something undeniable about, you know, her Jewishness. And that's something people have grasped onto. And, you know, we, we wondered, and this is kind of an open question that we've raised with a number of these, you know, what are filmmakers trying to communicate to their audience by relying on some of these, you know, coded Jewish characters and implying that their characters embody, you know, these existing 
this existing almost framework for um, for Jewishness. And Daniel, you you touched on it. It's sometimes it's this snarkiness and this quippiness. It can be um, a little bit heady. It can be a little bit you know of that outsider thing that we were talking about. You know, some of these characters are often defined by that. But it's just something that again we we observed through a lot of these movies the way that they especially from a particular era, I would say, uh, around the 80s and 90s. And, you know, part of that can be ascribed to the Jewish filmmakers that were working on a lot of these. But the way that they insert these seemingly Jewish characters uh, into otherwise not so Jewish movies. Just a couple of fun facts. In Clueless at Cher's house, if you look closely, you will see a mezuzah on her door. Um, But, you know, it's interesting that, like, you look at a movie like City Slickers starring Billy Crystal, who we know is Jewish, but in the movie... Aside from his, you know, frizzy brown hair and his name, which, well, his name is actually not Jewish in this movie. They've kind of, they've sort of stripped it of its Jewishness, and it's only him as this sort of out-of-place Jew in the Wild West. Again, it's coded. Um, and this is sort of before the the era nowadays where everything is very much, um, how shall I say it, like, you know, you have movies that very much speak to a particular identity. You have the Moanas of the world, the Encantos of the world, where it's very specifically a different culture, but we're calling it out as that rather than sort of, you know, implying it or things like that. I think back then it wasn't as prevalent to to have like explicitly Jewish films, and hopefully that will change, you know. Any questions so far? Any movies come to mind for folks in the uh, in the audience of any of these themes that we've depicted? Go ahead. Do you have any more fun facts around characters that we wouldn't have known were Jewish, but were, I was having a side conversation with someone about how, like, I never would have thought of Cher as Jewish, mm-hmm. but like the fact that, like, then I remember like her dad and like, right, right, right. I love the fun fact of the Mrs. on her house. Like, do you have mm-hmm. other fun facts like that about I'll, any I'll, movie? Please, I'll jump yeah, in first to, to address Cher because she's a really interesting one because I think yeah. that kind of snarky, quippy, kind of coded Jew that we were describing in some of these other characters, that's not really what she embodies. I mean, she and we, we discussed the kind of complicated legacy that her as a character leaves on, but is often referred to as kind of the uh, the paradigm for this, this, this character of the, the Jap that people refer to, you know, the Jewish American princess and kind of who that person is. And like you were saying, you know, the, the daddy's girl and and, and what that role implies. So she's a really interesting example of this kind of Jewish coded character. One, I guess, fun fact about that is this was a film uh, written and directed by Amy Heckerling and she spoke about how, you know, she was asked about this question, like, were you writing a Jewish character when you told the story of Cher? And she actually said, no, I wasn't really intending it to her to be Jewish. I don't know if she was aware of the mezuzah, if that was implicitly or uh, placed in her, she did that uh, intentionally. But she said that she was writing something that was true to the world that she was living in in California. The, with the, she was writing about the people that surrounded her, the community she was in. And I think we came to the conclusion when discussing it in that episode that she probably was living in a world of you know a lot of Jewish people and was kind of writing uh, true to her own experience there. So I think that's kind of how that works its way in to her character. And I think her dad is Dan Hadaya, which is a who's a Syrian Jew. So that's a fun fact about that one. Another sort of controversial issue in the in the Jewish film world is this idea of non-Jewish actors playing Jewish characters. I think uh, most recently a comedian like Sarah Silverman brought up the term Jewface when discussing this idea of casting someone like Katherine Hahn um, as playing Joan Rivers in an upcoming biopic. Uh, so here are some examples uh, from films we've covered um, where we have non-Jewish actors playing Jewish characters. 
in a movie like Heartburn, we have Nora Ephron and Carl Bernstein being portrayed by Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep. We have Joe Montaigne uh, in Homicide, directed by David Mamet, as the sort of Jewish detective sort of torn between his loyalty to his police force and these, uh, you know, fighting anti-Semitic hate groups and things like that. In a movie like School Ties, we have Brendan Fraser, Oscar award winning uh, Brendan Fraser uh, playing the Jew in this movie. And in fact, of this sort of picture here, I think only Cole Hauser in the top right hand corner is Jewish. Um, and then in This Is Where I Leave You, we have a, a set of Jewish uh, siblings coming to back home to New Jersey to uh, sit Shiva for their dad. And I think of this entire cast, including Jane Fonda, I think only Corey Stoll is Jewish. So yeah. it comes up quite a bit. Yeah. And, and I'll add to what you're saying, Daniel, you know, it definitely comes up this question of, you know, who can play who and and kind of the way that these ca these characters are cast. And what we tried to uh, raise, you know, with some of these movies is just the different range of what kind of Jewish character you're playing. So, you know, in the example of Heartburn, these two these two actors who are not Jewish are portraying real people that happen to be Jewish. The movie's not really an exploration of anyone's Jewishness. There's not so much Jewishness in there, but it raises the question of, well, when it's a real person, you know, who should you cast? In some of these other examples, like you mentioned, this is where I leave you, is about a family coming together to sit Shiva, right? To sell it, to, to do the ritual funeral uh, practices around their father who's just died. And it's interesting that there's so much discussion of their Jewishness and, you know, they, they opted to cast people that weren't necessarily Jewish. And in School Ties, for example, you mentioned Brendan Fraser. You know, that's a movie about someone facing anti-Semitic persecution. It's about him being forced to hide his Jewish identity. And it's just, it's a complicated question of, you know, who's playing who and when does it make sense for the role to be Jewish? You know, I, I wanted to, this is a conversation we've had across a number of these movies where it comes up. And, you know, I just wanted to speak for myself, maybe start the dialogue just about how I sure, feel about yeah. Uh, you know, them playing it. And I do think that there is space. I think it's fine for people who aren't Jewish, you know, to act as someone who is, even honestly, when it's a real person, if the movie's not an exploration of their Jewishness, you know, it's it's transformation, it's acting. Right. I think when they're playing a Jewish role, like we alluded to, that, you know, relies on either, you know, real Jewish kind of deep cuts or possibly even worse, you know, exaggeration or, um, you know, prosthetics. And one of the things that we, we've that's come up is that there's, there was actually a controversy recently because there's a new movie um, that's about Leonard Bernstein, uh, Bernstein and uh, Bradley Cooper's portraying him and has, they, there were pictures of him with a prosthetic nose on to kind of match. A, big one. a very big body. nose. <laughs> and exactly. And just because of the, uh, and just because of the history of that, and just because of the complications behind, you know, the characterization of uh, Jewish people with, you know, noses, it just, it's become a dicey subject, you know, not trying to weigh in, not trying to tell you what movies, you know, we can or can't watch. But it's an interesting conversation that I think people in the industry are probably having more than they were, you know, in the era of the rest of these films. Even yeah. this is going to leave you only about 10 years ago. I mean, we did just record an episode last night about 1948's version of Oliver Twist. For anyone not familiar, do yourself a favor and Google Fagin 1940s 8 Oliver Twist. Uh, so Alec Guinness, who most people know is like Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars, plays the uh, evil Jew in that movie Fagin. Uh, uh, and, and he has a huge prosthetic nose and a, a bunch of other sort of awful, awful features. And that was in 1948. And then you sort of see this. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it does bring that to mind. And, you know. I think, yeah, I think maybe Leonard Bernstein might have had like a bigger nose, but I just I don't know that it's such a good look. And if you think about like authenticity and casting as it exists for other people, I don't 
yeah, it's hard to weigh in like 100% one way or another. I think certainly for me, when, you know, there's a Jew who's on film and being portrayed in a not so great light, I think that, um, yeah, it's maybe not such a great look for someone who's not Jewish to be doing that. Um, I think I saw in the chat some talk about Miss Maisel and then also Transparent. Uh, Yeah, I was going to bring up Miss Maisel as like a, you know, I think – the majority of that cast is not Jewish. I think um, I think Miss Maisel's ex-husband is Jewish, and then I think his mother and Kevin Pollack, th- those three folks at, on the show are Jewish. But you know, it it it's a little yeah, it's a tough subject. I I'd be, I'd be curious to know everyone's thoughts on it, um, just because like I said, as as we are you know in 2023, we talk about authentic casting and things like that, and certainly people, you know. Um, who get uh, flack for playing, you know, for playing roles uh, for races that they are not, you know, a few, a few, like, I feel like Scarlett Johansson played uh, someone and Emma Stone had played someone for, in other movies, playing races that they were not and got a lot of flack for that. So, yeah, I did see a question. I wonder if you all have talked about this, but on the note of, like, particularly with Mrs. Maisel, like, some of the folks that play Jewish characters are Jewish. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of written about how, the Jewish characters who get to or who are played by Jewish actors, they're playing the Jewish characters that are most stereotypically Jewish. Yeah. They are like more observant. They are quite frankly like shown as being more annoying and more mm-hmm. overbearing and more like frustrating to be around and like more cheap. Like they're all all of the Jewish stereotypes. And the the people that are Jewish but are played by non-Jewish actors are like breaking all the stereotypes and they're not stereotypical Jewish and um, there's been some great pieces written about how that's actually pretty typical of what we see in both in all types of media that Mm -hmm. Jewish characters who are played by Jewish actors are very stereotypically Jewish in a bad way and Jewish characters who are played by non-Jewish actors get to just like be themselves at time and they are shown as like the quote-unquote good Jew um, and I'm wondering if, if y'all have talked about that. Hmm. I mean, I think certainly with like a film or with a show like Maisel, everything is like very heightened. I, I was watch. I, I enjoy both Jewish media and I enjoy comedy. But there are certain times in Maisel episodes where I was just like, this is too much. Like this is too much. It's like very extra Jewish and like very sticky and like over the top. And I do feel like, yeah, her, her family, especially, um, you know, her dad. He does a great job. Tony Shalhoub, he comes up a lot, as does John Turturro, as like in our Mount Rushmore of people who often play Jews who are not Jews. They come up quite a bit. Um, you know, his character's kind of grounded. But yeah, Midge Maisel is very kind of over the top. Yeah, I don't know. Harry, I, I want to see if you have any thoughts on this. Yeah, I think that trend, as you're describing, is definitely uh, troubling. You know, when it's just, we'll, we'll use the Jewish actor, but only because we want to exaggerate it. it. It reminds me of a conversation that we have had in the past on the podcast about representation and how we we always applaud Jewish representation in film. And one of the most exciting things about the podcast is finding these movies that either we didn't consider were Jewish or even that we hadn't heard of and just seeing how much Jewish representation there there is. But you know, one of the really exciting things is when you see Jewish characters or Jewish actors or, or some combination, but they're not playing the typical Jew. They're not playing, you know, what we call the tokenized Jew, which we're going right. to talk about in a later slide. And they're actually just, you know, even if they're the villain in the story, even if they're, you know, just doing something adjacent, there's something really exciting about, you know, witnessing Jewish uh, representation where the Jewishness is 
a part of their identity, but not their defining exaggerated feature and not kind of, they're not used for their Jewishness in that kind of tokenized way. I wanted to move us to our next slide. Sure, um, one sure. Really, you know, after some of those maybe uh, heavier uh, topics <laughs> and questions that come up in the podcast, one of the most fun exercises that we do is, you know, especially in part of that, you know, we spoke about finding movies that are thematically Jewish. So one of the exercises we often try to do with our podcast are, you know, reach in with these maybe biblical touchstones. Sometimes we'll argue whether or not they were intended by the filmmaker. Sometimes we, you know, we acknowledge that we're kind of just working them in, but we look for, you know, the Jewish influence, the sort of thematic stretches that might show up in some of these movies. So we wanted to explore um, first some Jewish structural biblical touchstones and then go into some of those stretches that we've kind of pulled out and, you know, just go through the exercise that we sometimes do on the podcast. Yeah. If anyone has listened to the podcast, you know how I love my stretches. So I'm excited to talk about them. So one thing, and, and we, we, like I said, we have these biblical illusions. We often try to try, we, we try to trace a lot of these narrative stories to um, their biblical antecedents. You know, like I said, sometimes we're kind of working them in because we're watching with a, uh, with a Jewish lens and we want to see how can we kind of incorporate yeah. this into our tradition. But also there are these frameworks and story structures that have existed, you know, in the, in the Torah itself. And obviously in a lot of the Jewish stories that we've told that we think are, you know, oftentimes intentionally or not kind of uh, weighing on the, the story structure and sometimes the events of the story that make their way into uh, a lot of these Jewish films. So uh, so one thing that we've really seen a number of times is, you know, this sort of Job-like character. And, uh, you know, very loosely, the story of Job is what you got to know is that he's this character who's kind of made to suffer continuously by, you know, this sort of divine punishment before eventual redemption. And it, this conversation has happened uh, a number with a number of these different movies, yeah. which if you're familiar with any of them, you'll you'll hopefully recognize what we're saying because we have these characters that are just constantly suffering. And when you think when you think things can't get worse, it's the next new twist happens, and to the point that I think it, in a lot of these cases, it almost starts to feel divine, like something is weighing in to stop them from right. reaching the goal. And, uh, and yeah, and then by the end, you know, in some cases there's redemption, in some cases, you know, they're made to suffer even more, but we, uh, we've used this story of Job to kind of understand and view these movies. And in some cases, you know, I think if you spoke to, you know, the Safdie brothers, the directors of Uncut Gems, I would, I would be surprised if they, you know, would say that they weren't familiar with that story when kind of creating the world that they did uh, in their film Uncut Gems. Yeah, and I think these analogies work out really well um, sometimes, right? You know, like in, in a movie like Booksmart, they have, uh, their, their mission is to get to a party at the end of the night, but they are hit by a number of setbacks and a lot of hilarity ensues and things like that. But eventually they get to the party, they have fun and they graduate high school and they live happily ever after. In other stories, you know, like After Hours, A Serious Man and Uncut Gems, things don't always work out well and they don't always find redemption like they do in the uh, Job story. So Sometimes it's just a little bit about using the Job framework to kind of talk a little bit about the structure. Um, so for things that don't quite fit the bill 100%, again, my favorite section, the stretches, right? So with with the, the idea of the stretches is sort of this creative exercise to think a little bit more broadly and talk about something, just sort of an idea that comes to mind that doesn't always have to be exactly what the filmmaker intended, but like something that just popped into your head and like, oh, here's a silly idea. Let me let me talk it out. Like you're watching the movie Hail Caesar and you have Hobie Doyle here uh, portrayed by a Jew, you know, Alden Ehrenreich. He's um, he's he's a stuttering cowboy star who 
wants to then, you know, move over to melodramas. And so the stretch that came to mind for me was that he's like a Moshe character, a Moses character with his speech impediment. And he's sort of an outsider Jewish character. Um, and sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it's a little bit of a stretch. So, you know, we call it when we see it, you know, we always say, let's get on the stretch train. Let's let's uh, just keep that in mind as we're discussing this topic. It is a stretch. It may not be exactly what the Coen brothers intended. In other examples, you know, we have Enemies, a love story, which is um, a story about a Holocaust survivor who, by the end of the film, is married to three different women through various circumstances. Angelica Houston is his wife from when before the war. He thought she was dead. She comes back. He has his non-Jewish. Uh, uh, I guess she's she works with him and then he marries her and then he has his mistress on the side and. So one of the stretches I talked about in the episode was that the women in his life represent his past, his present, and his future. Um, and sort of talking about that, again, not as Paul Mazursky intended, but just kind of a loose idea. Harry, are there any stretches that you are particularly passionate about that you want to share with yeah, our audience? So I, I wanted to mention one we have up there, The Big Lebowski, and uh, hopefully some of you are familiar with that movie, and this this kind of makes sense. And, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're underselling, we're saying that, you know, maybe they weren't intended, but I don't know. I I, I think we might have uh, unlocked something. Uh, okay, so, I'll buy it. And you can listen more, and this is all obviously to encourage you to listen to these episodes, check out the podcast, so you can get it more in context. But if you are familiar with the film, there's this iconic dream sequence in the middle of it, and it kind of represents a turning point in the movie. And we made the case that it's almost this rebirth for the character, right? For the, the dude, the, the main character in the movie is, is undergoing this rebirth. And, you know, the in the very first sequence after he's reborn, so to speak, he's chased around by these men holding these scissors. So might be a stretch, might be pushing it. We kind of created, maybe there's this allusion to circumcision and maybe this isn't just a rebirth. This is, you know, a Jewish male rebirth that he's undergoing. And this is kind of setting up the next stage of the movie. And, you know, I can't see reactions, so I don't know how many of you are, you know, rolling your eyes or smiling <laughs> along. But, um, but this is just one of the, uh, the fun, uh, this is one of the fun exercises we do. And I, I see a comment about uh, the, the dude sidekick not rolling on Chavez. We are going to cover that very soon. He's one of that movie and he and that character are some of the favorite people that we've uh, we've gotten to cover on this podcast. So we will uh, get into that very soon. So you may be asking yourself, you know, you have 40 plus episodes you've just heard us talk and you, you want to know kind of where to get started. Um, I think one thing to do is to kind of look through the episodes, find a movie that you're familiar with, that you're passionate about, that you're interested in hearing discussed. We always say that it is nicer to kind of watch the movie in advance. Um, but if you know, you know, if you know a little bit about the movie, that's enough. Um, you can also listen to the episode first and then do the movie, but either works. Um, so I just wanted to talk about three of my sort of favorite episodes. Um, it's hard to pick your favorites, you know, like much like your kids, it's hard to pick your favorites. but I'm going to attempt of my 40 of our 40 episodes to pick three that were kind of unique episodes. Um, but always all the episodes are great because most of the time I'm watching films for the first time. And if not, I'm kind of watching it. You know, I'm watching The Big Lebowski specifically through a Jewish lens, which I had not done up until that point. So After Hours is a it's sort of a zany uh, Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, and, and it's about the 1980s in downtown Manhattan with a sort of uptown yuppie guy who goes downtown to kind of have fun for one night. Um, and we had Nabil Ayers on who kind of was a touring musician and um, he, he grew kind of grew up and around up 
uh, in that art scene in the, in the 80s. And so he added a lot of context to that. Um, we talked about Enemies, a Love Story with a film critic from Portland who had interviewed Paul Mazursky on a number of occasions. So he had a lot of extra context to add to the film and kind of was helpful in framing the film in terms of its timing and uh, and what Mazursky had in mind and ultimately why the film did not do very well at the box office, but is, you know, well regarded in the film community. And then we also talked, uh, one of my other favorites, uh, we talked with Sonia Sanford, who's a, a chef and a, and a home cook and things like that, uh, about uh, Heartburn, which is Nora Ephron's personal like memoir that they then turned into a movie. Um, so all of the conversations have been really, really fun. And uh, Harry, what about yourself? Do you have any favorites? Yeah, I've got a couple that I want to mention. Sure. Um, you know, one of them that I was really excited to highlight was The Exorcist. That was a movie that, you know, it was a little bit of a surprising pick at first because it's a very religious Catholic film about exorcism, you know, which as far as I'm familiar is not a, a Jewish practice or there's no Jewish uh, version of it. But right. it was really interesting. What I found in discussing this movie is that, and this is something that I've always known about watching these very religious films, is that, you know, sometimes I'm able to connect more um, in terms of my Jewishness with, you know, these Christian films or these Catholic films or these films belonging to another religion, just because they're exploring some of these similar themes of, and questions of faith and belief and, you know, sacrifice and struggle. And it's, it's so interesting to see the way that a movie, even from another perspective, I can find a lot of shared interests. And so that was a really exciting discussion we had. Um, the other one I wanted to spotlight was Dirty Dancing, which was a movie that I was, you know, I'd heard of, I was familiar with the, the big climactic dance scenes, and I, I'd heard the way people had spoken about it, but never had heard anyone refer to it in a Jewish context, and yeah. watched it. I, I might not have expected to, but it, it's really about this, you know, Jewish Jewish retreat, and it's it's so, there's so much Jewishness in there. We had an amazing guest who was really knowledgeable about uh, what those retreats looked like, and, you know, was really uh, informative on Kind of what shaped that movie and it really it cast this movie in, in a new light i did not expect uh to watch it in and then finally i you know i, I put the big lebowski in here one of the most jewish movies yeah one of the most jewish and fun <laughs> ones we did you know there was a comment earlier about the character of walter he's you know he's very famous for his i don't roll on shabbos line i'll admit when we tell people about this podcast they often like to pitch movies to us and big lebowski probably comes up more than any but what I saw, what I thought was so fascinating about it, he wasn't just this funny side character, you know, with his Jewishness, but he actually was a really interesting character that related to his Jewishness in terms of a little bit of the way that he was bound by law. And it was about how he couldn't, you know, he literally he couldn't roll on Shabbos, right? He wasn't able to do things because he considered himself confined to, you know, the strictures of his religion. And I just thought, especially compared to like what we mentioned earlier, a lot of the tokenized depiction of Jews that you see sometimes in mainstream Hollywood films, you'll often see them lighting the Hanukkah candles, or you'll see them, you know, sitting down for a Shabbos meal. And it was really interesting to see a movie that explored, you know, the other side of, of Jewishness that you often don't see explored by these movies. So that was a uh, really exciting one for us to cover. Uh, as far as like the future of our podcast, you know, as we continue to make new episodes and things like that, we have been making sort of adjustments along the way. It's kind of an iterative thing. You know, we change our format. And uh, one of the things we're doing now is we shift to doing episodes every two weeks. Um, we both work full time and I have a family and stuff like that. And and Harry's got a life outside of work and podcasts. And so we want to be mindful of that because it is for us an extra thing, like a like a really fun creative project. But we don't want it to be like something that burns us both out. So 
you know, we're trying to do that. We're growing our audience um, organically through social media and things like that. And, you know, I'd love to down the line eventually come out with a, you know, Jews on film guide to movies so we can kind of put this into a nice coffee table book that you can read on Shabbat at your leisure. And maybe we could even make some popcorn or something like that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like that idea. Like you said, we are we are growing. We have about 150 or so average episode listeners, but it's it's nice to see the way it continues to grow. We get good word of mouth. We've been able to get, you know, several a couple articles written about the podcast, and we've gotten some really exciting guests. And you know, we hope that it just continues to grow. And like you said, it's not our main focus. It's a little bit of this kind of fun thing on the side. But I'm as far as as you know, right now I'm really enjoying doing this. So as long as we continue to enjoy it, I think this is something we're going to keep growing as best as we can. Yeah, uh, just wanted to speak kind of to the multimedia aspect of the title of our our session. You know, we do have accounts on on TikTok, on Instagram, on on Twitter, on YouTube, Facebook, and things like that. And so what we'll do is, you know, because our podcast is primarily an audio medium, I think in order to get people interested and engaged and things like that. We will create like short video snippets featuring like a nice moment from the episode and we will tag our guests and they can kind of help amplify our content out to their networks and um, introduce things to people. And it's very interesting that, you know, I'm still sort of new to the TikTok of it all, but uh, I think it's very interesting seeing how videos perform across different platforms to different audiences. Some videos will do super well on TikTok and not so well on Instagram and then various other videos will do super well on Instagram. And, you know, I'm learning all the time about this kind of stuff. Hashtag always be learning. But we are constantly trying to figure out what works best for our audience and what sort of clips and things like that. And uh, we kind of iterate with uh, our video process. Um, you can check us out at uh, Jews on Film Pod on Twitter, Jews on Film Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and our link tree. Does anyone have any questions? Is Star Wars Jewish? Is Star Wars Jewish? Oh, go ahead, Harry. That came up in an episode once. We were talking about our stretches and our themes, and someone's like, well, you can make any movie Jewish. You can talk about Star Wars. But then they proceeded to make a really good case for, you know, the, the light side and the dark side. They were talking about, you know, the evil inclination, the good inclination, the kind of battle, the war between different sides of, you know, being good versus being bad. So I think there's, you know, there's a reach you can make for any movie, but I actually think there's more to that movie than than most. You could really, you know, maybe we'll cover it on a future episode. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the desert, the desert, we have a history of being desert people, you know, kind of wandering the desert and things like that. So moving structures, kind of like the sand crawler. You got me thinking, Rebecca, I do like that idea quite a bit. Maybe you could come on and discuss it with us. People also awesome. say that Yoda's, like the way that Yoda speaks is the same syntax as Hebrew. Oh, okay. So. All right. Okay. Another question. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what actors would people be surprised to learn are Jewish? And which actors would people be surprised to learn aren't Jewish? Hmm. That's a great question. It kind of depends. I think like I, I like I was saying, I think the the actors who most people assume are Jewish, um, you know, I think like a lot of people, John Turturro has played a lot of different ethnicities. He's one of them that shows up. You know, he plays Jesus in uh, The Big Lebowski, but he's also played Jewish before. Um, I think uh, Miss Maisel's dad uh whose name escapes me right this second, but he, um, I think he's Lebanese. Uh, he often plays Jewish. I'm trying to think of the inverse, though. 
Like I like Hobie Doyle from Hail Caesar. I did not think was a Jew, um, so that was kind of surprising. Um, I don't know, Harry. Do you have any good ones? Yeah, easier. You know, it's easier to think of the ones that uh, are not Jewish. That you know, you'd be surprised because of the way that they play Jewish characters. But you know, every episode that that's a part of each of the episodes is when mm-hmm. we go and rate the film. Right? We mentioned this kind of scale of one to five stars. Often we'll look at the cast and crew, the content. You know, who was Jewish and was their character supposed to be Jewish, right? In some cases, they're playing a character like, you know, Jesus, like you mentioned, and uh, and maybe in, in that context, they wouldn't be, but I don't know right. specific. I'll take a moment to plug our Shabbat Shalom question of the week, because this was a question nice. that we had. And the reason we had this question is because I found out that Daniel Radcliffe was Jewish. Oh, okay. And I wanted to know who else was Jewish that we wouldn't know. And I personally learned that Harrison Ford was Jewish. Oh yeah, right. Which I did not know. Another another one for Star Wars. There you um, go. But I'm always personally looking for which which celebrities are and aren't Jewish because I and like somebody thought Weird Weird Al was Jewish, but he's not. Nope. Yeah, Seth Meyers. I, yeah, plus one for that. Um, Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, uh, you know, he just wrote a book, so we're trying to get him on the podcast. And if you're a fan of Poker Face, he was great in that. Um. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Yeah, who else? Let's see. Yeah, I think Hanukkah song is a good is a good way to find out for folks. Um, Scarlett Johansson, very cool. What is your favorite movies? Both for both of you, what's your favorite movie generally? Like not necessarily do it the podcast, mm. but just like yeah. your favorite. You only can watch one movie for the rest of mm. your life. Like what movie is that? Oh boy. Um, I often cite Magnolia as one of my favorite movies. It's kind of a longer movie, so I don't know that I'd be like so happy watching it all the time. I think it's like three and a half hours long. Um, but it's by Paul Thomas Anderson, and it has a number of great performances in the film with like John C. Riley and Tom Cruise and um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. So that one is for me. Is uh, We might cover it on a future episode. We'll see. But I don't know. How about you, Harry? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard. I, like, I know the, uh, you know, I don't know if I have one for like the comfort food kind of always return to movie, but you know, I, I have always cited that, uh, that movie Memento, that Christopher Nolan movie, which I don't know if it's Jewish, but it does play with time and structure a lot. And I'm sure we can find an analog, uh, in the tour to that. But, um, but that was a movie that I just really enjoyed and kind of got me, uh, really into a lot of this. So that's one that I always cite the movie Memento. I, I saw there was a question asked about, uh, the movie You People, which is one that, we have thought about discussing, we, we've yeah. spoken to some people about kind of entering into the dialogue with that movie. And we're definitely not against discussing movies that might have either controversial or, you know, in this case that I haven't seen it yet, so I can't speak to it, but possibly a negative portrayal. But that is, a, you know, that's an evolving conversation we're having about, uh, you know, how Jewish some of these movies are. So we might cover that one in the future. I would say uh, stay tuned for it. I do feel like we probably uh, need to have a, yeah, I think like, I'd want to be able to like discuss that movie from like a balanced perspective and not just two white guys talking about you people. I feel like, you know, we would want somebody uh, we, we were we we're talking to a few uh, guests who can kind of help um, discuss it more equally and kind of, you know, have a good discussion about it, I think. So uh, look out for that in the future soon. But yeah, if there's any like uh, future movies you'd like us to cover, if you have any thoughts, please light up the chat and let us know. But if not, thank you so much, everyone, for for listening to us, um, you know, in this presentation and hopefully check out the podcast and let us know. And, you know, we're on all the social media. So check us out and have a good one. And uh, Shabbat Shalom. Mm-hmm.
Jews on Film is hosted and produced by Harry Ottensasser and Daniel Zana. Daniel and Harry edited this episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Jews on Film and subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes. Thanks for listening.